This is Multinew Media. Everybody, this is episode fifty-four, I believe, of Multi New Media, and with me today is Chris Ayers. How's it going? It's going pretty good, pretty good. And uh, I don't like to put a lot of small talk or banter in the beginning of episodes. I want to get to the point. However, I do want to say that I was going through the Google AdWords certification program recently, and I want to announce that I did my fundamentals course and earned a ninety-two on the exam, halfway to my certification in Google AdWords. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Any uh, exciting news from you? Um, yeah, I got a promotion at work as well. Congratulations. That sounds awesome. Hope yeah. it came with a raise. A little bit of one, yeah. Okay, well, hey, I won't push you on the details, but but enjoy it. Thank you. And uh, got my PlayStation VR, been playing that. A lot of new games came out, been playing those. That sounds like same old, same old. <laughs> Well, Chris, what we're here to talk about today is uh, paper, and that doesn't seem to be the most technologically advanced topic, but that's exactly why we're talking about it. It absolutely floors me how much paper businesses still use. I was recently on site with a company, and the amount of paper was just mind-boggling. Do you still see this? I mean, are you in paperless environments, or do you still see the world sort of looking still like the eighteen? Excuse me, the eighteen, the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties. Oh, most of my uh, office interactions are paperless. Uh, We use um, a lot of digital communications. You know, I and I'm that way at the university. You would think we'd print out a bunch of tests and papers and this and that, and we, and we don't really. Most of that's electronic, but it seems like every single time I go on site with a client, it's paper world. So this episode, we want to take some time and look at not so much what the facts of uh, paper production and paper utilization in the office are. Um, there are some facts uh, out there, but again, it's not about those. I mean, I see things that talk about we produce something like 300 million to 500 million tons of paper a year. Great. That's a big variance. My question today for us is what do we do in business to reduce our amount of paper? Or let's just go ahead and get to the point of the 21st century that we're in. How do we eliminate paper usage within business? even if we're not an IT or consulting firm or university? What if we're... Well, you can start with email. Continue. (laughs) I mean, if you're trying to share documents with someone, um, send them a Word file. Send them an Excel or PowerPoint. You don't have to print it out and carry it over to them. One of the things we use a lot is some sort of video conferencing system, either Skype or Zoom or, or some sort of meeting where we can share our screens We'll email out the agenda or the, the documents we want to review, and then we'll project them up on a television in the office. And we'll, if someone is remote, we'll share our screen as well. So the people in the office can look at a big monitor or television that has the information you want to discuss. 
and remote people can see your screen. Or if they don't want to follow along with you know the, the shared session, they can review their own document. That's, um, that's where we hit some of this value. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, and, and this kind of was kind of stalling when you when you pick this uh, this topic to start or, or this uh, answer to start with, is we can all say, all right, well, just use the computer more and, and type things out and use your phone and use tablets and use your desktop. But in in business, there has to be some type of system behind the scenes that supports all of this. Whether it's monitors that can uh, you know pick up wireless signals from other devices, whether it's um, file transmission at the office. Um, I mean, we're not going to walk around with Android devices using Bump. I mean, I think that's a little bit <laughs> past even. But there do ha- there there has to be some type of system in place to take a, a company paperless, and I I think um, a few of those are are things I might like to jump into. Yeah, the what's nice is all the meeting rooms. In my current pl- uh, place of work, have um, both monitor. They, so they have monitors with, you know, all the hookups. So it's all wired under the the desk, so that you can get an HDMI connector or uh, Display Port connector. And they, they have adapters. So if someone has a Mac or someone has a Windows machine, it, they can plug in the appropriate connector. And they have VGA. So th- there's any laptop can pretty much display and share in any meeting room. That's a really good first suggestion because um, just like the client I was mentioning and a client um, from a couple of years ago popped into my mind when you were talking about the conference room, um, there was a company I was working with that in their conference room had zero technology. I mean, not even a whiteboard, not even a, a TV, not a projector, nothing, zero technology. It was just you bring your stack of papers and you share them around the room. And that this was, I guess, back in 2014, but still um, way too late to not be paperless. And I think one of the first things that businesses can do is look at the physical work environments that every employee is in, whether they're cubicles, offices, hotel space, whatever the case is, look at those workspaces, including the conference rooms, and ask, do you really have the technology present to help your employees succeed and not require reams of paper? Yeah, we also have, uh, you know, kind of building on what you just said, every single cube. Um, so there is a large number of, of cubicles. Um, what's nice about the cubicles is one of the walls in each cubicle is a whiteboard. So everybody has built into the cubicle a whiteboard. That's going to help with the elimination of notepads, sticky notes, those types of things, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, most managers and people that go to a lot of meetings also have Surface, like Surface Pro 3s or Surface Pro 4s. So a lot of them will take notes that way, uh, scribbling on a digital screen. Um, there's a big push in the company for wikis and using OneNote, so electronic documentation uh, that's shared in centralized places so you don't have to um, hunt for scraps of paper and make photocopies of it. And that's a good turning point because just before anybody thinks we're going to go too light with this episode, think about paper. Where does it go? What do we do with it? We put it in filing cabinets, right? We put or it in some... It. Or, when we're done, right? We recycle <laughs> it. But while we're using it, as while it's serving as um, active documentation or as an archive, it's in a filing cabinet or it's in some storage closet... What's the digital equivalent that businesses, especially SMEs, need to be prepared for? Um, you know, talking about going digital is all great, but if you have a, a small business, 
what do they need to know about managing these documents on the back end? Does everybody need to go get some type of DMS, document management system? Do um, we do we need on-prem servers? Do we need cloud drives? What should the small business person be prepared for? I think part of it depends upon the amount of documentation you're trying to store. Um, so some, some printers come with a scanner uh, functionality built in, and it can scan to someone's desktop. So, you know, if you're just scanning in your bills and your mail, you just want to digitize it, and it's not a large volume. It's just a couple of documents here and there. Eh, you could probably use, you know, a desktop-type um, printer, you know, multifunction device that can do scanning and store it on your desktop or um, in one of your cloud services. If it's starting to be where you're scanning dozens and hundreds of documents a day, there are some standalone devices that are specifically designed for, for mass or high-speed scanning. There's a thing called a ScanSnap, which is a little device that is a scanner, and you just feed in documents, and they'll get stored in, like, Evernote, or they'll put, be put in a file system somewhere, uh, and it'll do OCRing, so it'll scan the text so that you can copy and paste and search inside the PDF, and it'll save them all as PDF or images, how, however you want to store the files. And then you run into your normal problems of where am I going to store large amounts of files? So, you know, if it's a small business, it probably will be something like a NAS or uh, some device that has a bunch of hard drives in it. If you're in a bigger business, you probably have a file server of some kind that already has backups. But you can also, you know, leverage cloud services. Smaller businesses get so much OneDrive space, and you can go with. Google Drive. Yeah, or, with with business accounts, I mean, yeah. OneDrive, you have Office 365, you have, what, a terabyte per user or something ridiculous like that now? It used to be. They dropped it, remember? Oh, I don't remember. They recently dropped it down to, like, gigabytes again. Oh, that's horrible because I was just looking at some documentation and they still show a terabyte and that, that breaks my heart. I'm uh, pretty sure I did because there, there was a percentage of people who were exceeding a normal amount and so they, they lowered... Mm. I, th- I thought the caps. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, probably just escaping my mind. But I mean, starting with hosted cloud solutions is probably um, something that even the smallest businesses could do. I even if you're you know looking at OneDrive or um, Google Drive or Dropbox, Box dot uh, com as well. They're not going to be the most secure solutions, especially the consumer facing um, versions that really truly small businesses are going to use. But most of those products, even Box.com, it partners with IBM for enterprise-level solutions. So cloud is certainly an option. Um, Document management systems, uh, I I think, scare a lot of people, though, when you get a little bit beyond the just storing files, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud. Having a full DMS, I, I do think, scares people. But... This isn't that you have to go out and be like a Fortune 100 company and buy um, ECM, which is Enterprise Content Management. Uh, you don't need to buy that type of software. Uh, you can look at things like SharePoint, right? Yeah, SharePoint is uh, one of those things that's kind of designed for this. File uh, storage. Wiki. Um, well, wikis, documents, gathering different pieces of information and lists and having a collaborative space. One thing that does get me a little bit, though, is I do think some type of document management system needs to be in place. And I know that I'm, I'm kind of being a little bit preachy there, but 
one of the things that I don't think works very well for productivity, at least not anymore, and I don't know if it ever truly did, was the idea of shared directories and shared hard drives. I don't, I just, you know, I remember back in the mid-2000s, the first decade of the century, kind of looking with question marks over my eyes, wondering, why are we still doing this? This seems so antiquated. But uh, a lot of businesses still do it. But again, I I always suggest moving a little bit further up and getting a DMS. Um, Yeah, I mean, it depends upon your level of user, and it also depends upon what the, the guidance is. If it's one or two people, that's one thing. If there's hundreds of employees and it's teams that have split out into different organizational pieces and, and they have maybe, hey, we're going to have some standardized folders or some standardized structures, um, it, it, it really depends on the business. Well, which way would you, would you um, advocate? Who should go to a DMS and who shouldn't? I don't know if there's a, a big, hard and fast rule, but... Um, if you leave um, files on people's computers and they leave or there's a hard drive crash, you, you lose documentation. So you want it somewhere centralized. And that's where um, there's still departmental shares and, and there's still like company shares at, at, at where I'm at. Um, right now, they, they have, you know, a G drive for, for their groups and, and, you know, like a P drive for public. But most... Um, most documents are loaded into their portal, which is a SharePoint site. Hmm. Um, and and it, it's easy way to see how the some of the teams are broken down, and and they have folder structures inside SharePoint, so you can navigate that just like you're kind of navigating the file system. We kind of we still use both because you know we do software, so there might be installers or binary files that we need to share easily, so those don't go in the document management system. Those will go on a, a shared drive. And, and, most and I of like the that. Documents go into SharePoint. I, I do like that. I think that that is an appropriate use case for using a shared drive. I, I think a lot of business who are ju- businesses who are just exchanging Excel files and PDF contracts, I, I think they overuse shared drives and sort of end up back in that situation where if those drives go out, um, I, I get it. A lot of companies are, are doing their due diligence and have them um, backed up and, and they're redundant. But then again, there are those businesses that don't have that. Um, I, I just I do advocate a little bit against the shared drives, even though I love what you say you're using them for. Okay. One one potential solution here, um, and again, I'm, I'm focusing a little bit more on small business in this episode, the entire concept can be overwhelming because sure, yeah, we'll use PDFs more and we'll use Microsoft Office more and all these things we can add in. But at the end of the day, you start wondering about infrastructure, you start worrying about workflow, start worrying about all the management aspects that come into play. And I think some of this conversation can be nipped in the bud to begin with because if you're already using any type of project management software or collaboration software, any type of CRM, ERP, most of these um, pieces of software these days have some type of document management system built in to where you wouldn't necessarily have to go out and create a shared drive or um, run SharePoint on-premises or get a hosted SharePoint through Office 365. I mean, even something as simple as using Podio or Yammer, um, the ability to share 
files among small work groups, I, I think that can be sufficient in a lot of businesses. Well, it does depend upon your service, to be fair. Because, um, you know, I worked at a law firm and their document, their case management system that they used for managing their law cases had a document management feature in the software, but you pointed it at a file system. So it kind of referenced the cases and the, the people with the documents, but the documents were stored on a file system somewhere in some share. So sometimes those management systems, you do have to give it a share so it can have a repository to put the files. Um, there was one educational document management system. Uh, there was more learning called Moodle. I think that had a had to have a folder to store all of its files as well. So, so using you're, you're Moodle, not, the, the education software. Yeah, you don't always get away from having a folder somewhere to hold the documents. Right. But you'll usually organize and interact with them through the web interface or, or through the, you know, the document management system. You know, there, you kind of made me cringe. I was thinking about an old, uh, when you were talking about contracts, this old piece of software from Procuri, and I think it was purchased by Ariba. And I, I don't know the price. I just remember a series of acquisitions. But as I recall, it was originally Procuri. And, oh, that thing was one of the worst document management systems and contra contract systems I've ever used. And for some reason, when you said contracts, my mind just went there. Um, but <laughs> then again, that was a decade ago. So maybe it's the best thing on the market now. I don't know. No idea. So it looks like we have, in our meandering, come up with some type of um, a structure for people to think about how they can take their businesses completely paper-free. And and I guess I should put a tangent in here and say that we don't want to go paper-free just for environmental reasons, do we? I mean, aren't there other reasons that we get benefits from being paper-free? Well, there's less cost. There's less um, waste. There's... Um, less space needed because you know if you have to store large amounts of paper listen that's an absolutely valid you, you kind of put an inflection on it when you said it but that is a, a completely valid concern um, for a lot of businesses papers take up a lot of room and if you have to print there's some things you can do to reduce uh that cost and that impact as well um you can print on both sides of the paper mm -hmm. so many people don't do that you can print on both sides you can use a lighter weight paper. Yeah, it's not like you have to print your resume every single thing you're printing, right? We we can back off of the uh we can back yeah. off of the, you know, 80 pound yeah, cardstock. Yeah. But um, the, you can outsource some of that if you have to. You know, there, there's a reason there's the the FedEx offices and the Kinkos and the Staples that that do printing. I mean, it it just depends on your needs. Yeah. But that hierarchy that I mentioned that, that I think we've come up with in our meandering is, first of all, to think about the infrastructure of what the workflow should be like. And I'm going to the management level here. I'm, I'm talking to managers in this episode, not necessarily to IT and rank-and-file employees. But think about the infrastructure. How should the workflow um, go within your business? How should the business operate? Who communicates with who in what way? What are the forms and the documents required? Kind of pre-plan all of that infrastructure out and then think about the hardware required to get that infrastructure working. And I don't mean hardware in terms of servers. I mean printers with scanners. I mean yeah. tablets. I mean displays that are Miracast or some other, you know, well, AirPlay type format to wirelessly pick up 
from devices. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to go the full wireless route. Just make sure you have adapters and things that you, you need to do. Now, um, something else is you're going to want to have people that have Acrobat, and not the reader, the the PDF generation software. Yes. Um, I have at the company I'm at currently, they do all the annual reviews with PDF forms. And, and you, they mail out the forms, you fill it out, and you send it back. I mean, people do that with Word. But you don't print it out. You you do it all through uh, the the form, and and you can even do electronic signatures because that's a valid thing these days. So you can do electronic signatures. You can have electronic forms. Those can get saved into a database and processed. You know, with workflows, um, you can have tablets and Surface type devices where you can review the document electronically instead of having to print out a page to show to a boss who looks at it once and throws it away. It's like you said, workflow. Yeah, and I, I really do think that um, Adobe Acrobat is something that every company needs to have at least a couple of licenses for. Yes, you can go into Word or whatever else you're using to create your documents and um, export as a PDF, but if you are looking to make interactive forms uh, that you can share throughout the company. Um, if you're looking at doing some conversions, I mean, we're talking about, I think it's something like $13, $14, $15 a month uh, per user just for Acrobat. But then again, you can get um, the well, entire the, Adobe uh, Creative Cloud for, what, 20 something a month, I think it is? 30? Well, there's other ways to do it. Like if you have Exchange or even Lotus or some mail-type software, even Google, you can generate forms that people can access mm -hmm. right through their mail software. I know Google, you can do like a Google sheet where there's a survey and they fill it out and it saves results into a, a database row or, or, you know, a spreadsheet row. So there's ways to do forms electronically to gather information or, or do review processes or checklists, stuff like that, that you don't need to have a piece of paper for. Yeah, I'm going to put some free advertising in here for a moment because last year I was working um, with, I'm mentioning, clients are on my mind today. I was working with yet another client last year um, who everything, every part of their, their um, it, was a, it was a state government agency, every part of their workflow was digital. Yes, they would at some point print certain things out and send them on to some other division that hadn't been upgraded and didn't have the right uh, whatever in place. But they weren't necessarily going out and using Adobe Acrobat. They were using some of the third-party software. Yeah. And one of the one of the pieces Fox of software or something like that. Yeah, Fox and that type of thing. And the one that um, this agency was using is Nuance Power PDF. And when I first looked at this piece of software, I was not necessarily impressed, but here's what happened. I started to, and this is where that free advertising joke comes in, I started to fall in love with this piece of software, and I almost bought it for myself, even though I do have Acrobat, because I was watching as Adobe would email me with product updates, and sometimes the product updates for Acrobat would be things that PowerPDF already did, and that just that just blew my mind that a lower-cost solution, I mean, we're talking the most adv advanced version, which is actually called advanced, it's something like $150. It's not this monthly subscription. Um, so yeah, don't necessarily move away from some of the big names. You don't have to have Microsoft in-house. You don't have to have Adobe in-house. Some of these third parties are, are really great. 
Yeah, I use. Um, I used to use. It's like Good Reader or PDF Expert on my iPad mm-hmm. uh, because that allowed you to annotate it and uh, sign from your iPad. Yeah, now, and and that's where I think if we start talking a little bit about contracts or legal, if your business has that in mind, there are different types of signatures. Um, so when it comes to just signing your name on a screen, that's one thing. But a lot of different businesses uh, require uh, signatures that are certified and encrypted and you go through an actual signature service. Yeah. Those you're going to have to be a little bit pickier with the software you choose, but still there are plenty of options. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches out there um, of things you can choose from. For basic uses, a lot of those work great, and you don't have to go digging. Um, like you said, for more complex use cases, you're going to have to find the thing that supports what you want to do. Yeah, I th- I think the the biggest part of this conversation, and really the last part of the conversation, is the one that admittedly I have to say we can help with the least and that's the digitization process. I can say get a scanner or a scanning system or contract a third party to do the scanning for you like you mentioned before Chris. There are excellent companies out there that do digitization of uh, business documents securely, safely. Um, If you're... Well, with the law firm I worked at we actually had a scanning department so they would buy um, they bought like I said, some scan snaps for some of the remote offices that had smaller scanning duties. And then they had some some of the, the bigger um, like Canon scanners that they sat you know, sat on the desk and you would put a stack of papers in there and it would go like whoosh 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 whoosh. Yes. It, it could scan both sides in one pass and it could scan like, you know, fifty to a hundred pages a minute. And it would just be sucking pages through, scanning them and um, loading them in the Acrobat, and they would split out the pages and save them where they needed to go. Um, some of them even support, um, you can put a barcode on the the front page of multi-page documents, and it could interpret the barcode and know to split the PDFs or the outputs and name the file a certain thing based on that barcode. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's tons of capabilities. We used to use... Um, there are a number of OCR services where you can install it on a server and they do like drop folders. So you'd have an in folder and an out folder. You put a bunch of PDFs in the in folder. Um, there's actually a company called C-Vision and it would optimize the PDFs, make them smaller, OCR all the text, straighten the pages if they were slightly off center and stuff and it'll drop the file into the output. And then you would go put it in your document management system or in the file system where it needed to go. And another thing a lot of people don't know or, or don't aren't aware of, Adobe has released a PDF iFilter for free for Windows. So what the iFilter does is on your desktops when you're searching for files and it shows you, you know, you look for a word and it shows you the inside of a Word document, like, hey, this Word document contains the word you're looking for. It won't, by default, search inside of PDFs, but if you go and install this Adobe iFilter and you add PDFs as things that you want indexed, when you start searching for documents right off of your start menu, it'll find that text inside of PDFs. That's what that, that iFilter will do. And that's a really important feature to have. That and um, some of the OCR software that will add an invisible layer of text on the PDF that's searchable. Yep. These types of technologies are absolutely invaluable in business and really help 
move an office towards an, uh, a paper uh, paper free environment. So I think we're 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 at a good place to conclude this episode because here's what I hope has happened. I hope that this has started the conversation in the minds of our listeners, especially those who are in uh, you know control of offices or who run businesses, and they're thinking about what is the workflow in the office? What's the infrastructure we need? What type of hardware would we would we uh, require? Are we capable of digitizing ourselves? Um, and here's what I, I, I just sincerely hope is happening as a result of the episode. People are putting together small teams to figure these answers out, starting to move along the process, getting rid of paper, yes, for ecological reasons, yes, because a lot of nasty chemicals are involved in the production that, that take a lot of money cleaning up. But really, as someone who has started the process of going paper-free, I cannot tell you how great it is, how efficient it is, how effective it is to be able to say, hold on, I know I have a file that says that. Start typing a few words, and there it is. No rummaging through file cabinets, no looking on bookcases and bookshelves, having everything right there at your fingertips. This is a promise of computing that I think too many businesses have put off for too many decades. Yeah, I use, I heavily use OneNote and Evernote. I, I use both of them quite a bit um, to store information and organize files and notes and thoughts. And uh, yeah, I tag all my stuff. And when I need something, I'll, I'll do a search. And I usually find what I'm looking for very quickly. See, even that's great. We're, we're multimedia. We're a small show, and that's what we we use on the back end to, to share information and to digitize our info It's is uh, OneNote. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.